Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant. And we're almost at the halfway mark. Number 27 today, West Coast Eagle Dom Sheed. For you, you might be thinking... It's about right. Others going, why the freak is Dom Sheed in your top 50 most relevant? And others thinking, no, no, there's some value to go, MJ. Get him higher. Regardless, that's why he's in the 50 most relevant. Joining me on this episode, chances are you've run into him across Twitter at some point in time. If you listen to the pod pod, you can hear Louie on that as well as a bunch of others. We've got Holmesy on for his coach's panel debut. Hello, buddy. MJ, yeah. How you going, mate? Thanks for thanks for having me on. I've been a, a big listener of the 50 Most Relevant over the last couple of years and love what you do and what you put out to the community. So yeah, it's it's an honor to be on here and I'm I'm really looking forward to chatting about Don Shea today. Now we're looking forward to it. One thing, if you've listened to uh, what Louie and Statesman and Dawson and Holmesy have done on the pod bodies, you know one thing about Holmesy. He has an opinion and he'll let you know exactly what it is. And that's what we love about who he is in the fantasy community. Let's talk about Dom Shee, 27 years of age, midfield eligible, just the one game last year. As a result, those are his top scores of 2022, a 70 in AFL fantasy and dream team and a 67 in super coach. One game only, both happening against the same team the Geelong Football Club. Nowhere near his career high scores though. 138 against Gold Coast back in 2021 is his top AFL fantasy and dream team score. While a 148 against the Bombers is his career high score in Supercoach. It's a 29 team. He's going to set you back. He's got a little bit of a discount on him, depending on the formats that you play. He's going to set you back just on 332,000 in Supercoach. Just a touch under 600,000 in AFL fantasy and a little bit cheaper in dream team $571,900 and we made this comment a few days ago Holmesy about when we talked about Will Phillips at number 31 in the 50 most relevant we made this comment about so much went wrong for the North Melbourne Football Club the parallels were very very similar for West Coast before the ball got bounced in round one, there was injuries, players missing, people opting out of playing. It was a season from hell for the West Coast Eagles in so many avenues. And Dom Sheed was just one of those elements that didn't work out for them. Yeah, that's it. That's it, MJ. You can only assume that uh, the only way is up from here for the Eagles. Uh, Like you mentioned, everything that possibly could have gone wrong did. Uh, The midfield that they were rolling out week to week was never consistent. It was consistently changing. And uh, because of that, we have a, a Dom Sheed coming in seriously under price, which um, is very, very good for across all formats. Yeah, it really, really is. What really was the problem is he walked into the preseason with a pretty substantial ankle injury. And despite getting the one game, he suffered significant and serious setbacks at multiple times across the season. The club opted for surgery and then just to put in into Cottonwood because As we've talked about already, the season had already got away from them. No point doing further damage or risk to him. The reason he's in the 50 is because of what he can do in contrast to what he's priced at. In 2021, if we were to just look at that season in a little more depth, nine AFL fantasy and dream team tons. Four of those highlighting some of his ceiling that might have snuck under the radar, obviously for coaches. Four over 120. Five scores 82 
and above uh, in, in addition to those uh, nine tons and an average of 91.3. So he's better than maybe you realize. Six super coach tons that same season, four over 80 on top of those tons and an average of 82.2. While across 2020 and 2019, he averaged an 89 and a 95 in Supercoach and a 95. And if you want to play the adjusted averages game in Dream Team and Fantasy, he's up in the high 80s that year of 2020 as well. So that's the thing that's got us excited and coaches thinking there's some value here, isn't there, Holmesy? He's priced, depending on the formats, 60 to mid 60s across the formats and potentially anywhere upwards of 25, maybe even 30 points per game of value based off what he's done previously. Yeah, like you said, we've got a midfielder here that has three years of consistent 90-plus scoring or there, thereabout, and coming in priced at, you know, low low 60s for Supercoach and high high 60s for AFN Real Dream Team. And there's only going to be more midfield opportunity for him, I see, um, in this coming season. He's, uh, you know, he's been that sort of 55 to 60% CBA mid guy historically. And you would think with Luke Shuey aging and, and not being on the park, Elliot Yo aging and not really being on the park, uh, Redden retiring, you know, there's only going to be more opportunity for him to move in there. And that's highlighted by the one game he played this year where he had 88% CBA. So you would yeah. think the opportunity is definitely there for him to bounce back and, and get back to those scores that we know he can produce. I, I suppose the the real question we need to ask is, is he healthy? And if yeah. he is, he's a, he's a definite one to watch. Yeah, and that's the thing. There are two players that when West Coast do talk about the narrative coming from the football club in the preseason, there are two players they talk about are flying, and understandably so, given such horrible injury like they had last year. Elliot Yo, who we talked about just the other day with Louis in the 50 most relevant, and again now today, Dom Sheed. The narrative that he's got an injury-prone history it, it's not there. It's not true. Don't believe into that. He's had one bad year, but between 2019 and 2021, he's just missed one game. So the reality is he's had one really significant injury that he couldn't really get his body around. But at all he's done this preseason is do all we can ask of him, which is turn up at preseason, play his role not be in the managed groups, not have the non-contact caps on. He's at this point in time of the preseason ticking all the boxes. I'm curious, Holmesy, on your take, you talked about him having such high CBA numbers um, in the one game we saw last year. Um, where do you see him sitting in that midfield mix? Because it's not just about him getting plenty of opportunity. It's also around the guys alongside him where they can potentially aid or hinder his fantasy football output across the format. So you mentioned his scoring, Kelly, Shuey, Gaff, Yo, Duggan, Cully, Hewitt, Ginby, and Sheed all in there. How much do you think they lean into the rebuild as opposed to trying to build some credibility back in the eyes of the football community? Where do you see them balance that out? Yeah, I think you're going to find a little bit of a mixture. I know some sides really like to go the the young rebuild, think you're, you're North Melbournes and your Carltons of old, but you just have to look at a team like Sydney. Mm. They've kind of done the rebuild on the go. Um, they've injected a little bit of youth, but kept the real core older guys around them to to nurture them through. And as a result, we've seen them drop down to the ladder just for one year and then back up into top four calculations. So I'm not saying the Eagles are going to jump up back to uh, top four, but they've always been a very proud football club and they've mm. always been a football club that's very competitive. So I can't see them just... Um, 
flying everyone out and just going completely young, there's definitely definitely going to be those older guys going through there and nurturing the kids. So until we have a look in the preseason and see how it lines up, it's impossible to tell. But you you would think that at a minimum, Sheed and Kelly are the two guys that they build their midfield around and, and then the younger guys can come through on top of that. Yeah, I think it's a fair shout. Uh, what their game style is, again, how does or does that evolve? They've always been such a high possession and mark team. Does that maintain? Does that regress away into something else? Again, the preseason is will define that, whether it be intra-clubs, match simulations, and the community series games. We'll never fully being certain, will get indicators if the club are attempting to try and do something a little bit different along the way. From a fixture perspective, because I don't think you're running Dom Sheet as someone that you're going, I'm going to have him for the year. If you get lucky along that, then good on you. But I don't think that's the mentality you're walking in, is you're looking for him to generate you a couple of those 90s and tons that he's shown over the year and become that perfect stepping stone to a premium. He's got the round 14 buy, so you can run him right to there if you wish, or you can consider his first six weeks and see, is there something you like? North, Giants, Dockers, Demons, Cats, and Port over the first six. It's certainly not the worst first six of opponents, is it, Holmesy, for him or his Eagles? Yeah, you've highlighted it perfectly. I think he's not going to be um, your mid-price player that turns out to be that keeper that we want in the midfield. The, the bar's just too high, I believe. But yeah. if he can go 90 to be a, a good pick to a 95 to be a very good pick, and then you look to sort of upgrade him around his buy or, or soon after, I think that's that's what you want to look for with Dom Sheed. So temper the expectations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Just look at the the fixture and see how it lines up. So I'm curious, and again, um, for those that have followed you across the pod pod or through Twitter, certainly know that AFL Fantasy has been the format that uh, up to this point in time has been the one that you've even got close to winning a couple of times as well. So maybe if we just focus strategically on that format for a moment, um, where and how do you build him into your side? Because there are some interesting guys priced cheaper than him we talked about warple uh earlier in the 50 most relevant there's some others to come that are priced in a similar point you can always pick multiples of these guys but talk me through the narrative of why you wouldn't pick dom sheed because the reasons to pick him do feel quite obvious 30 points of value should be high cbas has done 90s talk me through the process of a coach going i don't like him what would be the reasons you'd avoid Dom Sheed, at least in AFL fantasy for 2023? Yeah. So if you're someone that, um, you know, maybe you don't believe the Eagles are going to really bounce back and they're going to have another lean year and you don't see the scores really being there, considering they are typically a, a kick mark team that relies heavily on that, then yeah, maybe you think that he is going to be more of that sort of 85 to 90 guy in, in AF and, and that wouldn't be enough um, really to be a, mm. a mid price stepping stone. Um, considering you really want, you know, in the mid midfield at least, you're looking for your players to to get close enough to the top eight, um, and and being in the 80s wouldn't be enough. So that's that's really it. Um, I think, yeah, if you, if you don't see him being able to go 90 plus, then you're potentially better off getting someone like maybe a Warple who might have a little bit more upside, or even, yeah, looking at looking at someone else around that price point. How how much of the narrative? And again, we'll, I'll talk about dream team and super coach in a sec. Do you put on a player's percentage ownership as a reason to to go against or or take on a player. So at, at time of uh, recording, anyway, 
the formats are not all fully open. The team pickers for Dream Team and Supercoach are open, but we don't know the percentage of ownership. Uh, AFL Fantasy, we do. We know it's about 22% of coaches at time of recording are on him. Um, where do you start going, oh, there's a Schonberg, there's a Hollands, there's uh, there's a Saligo, there's uh, Flanders. There you go, Draft Doctors. I got him in once for you in the 50, all right? You can just shut up and pay me, Stevie Fizz. Uh, there's a Tom Powell. These are guys that have all shown pockets of scoring, maybe not to the prominence or as long as he has. Um, how much percentage do you go, oh, that percentage is enough now to take him on, even though he could still pop and hurt me? Yeah, so I'm not sure I'm going to be too much help here, MJ. Uh, um, historically, I haven't really looked at ownership numbers too much in the starting squad. I like to <laughs> tend to back in what I know and what I can see a player going and and back them in regardless of ownership percentages. I think around the buys and then towards the back end of the year where I've been competing and trying to and trying to stay up there, that's when I kind of look more towards the you know the top hundred ownership numbers and things like that that Marrera's magic puts out, but. Yeah, at the starting squad, I I like to just try and back myself in, regardless of how popular a player is. But you are right; there can be safety in numbers if, um, if the percentages are high, and then it can go either way from there. Really, yeah, yeah, it really can. It can hurt you or or help you. Uh, the way you look at it, look in AFL fantasy, it does feel one of the absolute considerations you've really got to look at. You're monitoring that preseason, your preseason. You're monitoring that role, and if it's tick tick of health and role. Man, given the two trades a week, use it or lose it, and the always price rolling every week, he's right in the mix. Dream Team is similar. Even though the price point is a little different and how the money moves in that format is different, these are the two formats he's stronger. Super Coach, still relevant, but when you've got a Jacob Hopper who's at an identical price point, you've got a Ben Cunnington who's within 50-odd thousand. You've got a Nat Fife who's within... 10,000 cheaper than him. It starts to become a bit more always value, but I've got guys that are 100, 110, 120 scoring guys in there. So it's not just as simple as he's cheap, I'm going to get him, although he should still be a consideration. In Supercoach, there's a little bit more around that price point to maybe mean he might not be perfect for every side, but just certain sides uh, along the way. Uh, Holmesy, before we wrap up the podcast, we always love to get people's thoughts on what they should do draft day with him. Where do you see him going on draft day? Yeah, so unfortunately, he's going to be one of these players that falls to the the victim of the salary cap hype. So he will. Uh, averaging around 70 or in the 60s, whatever he did last year, he's going to be hidden way down boards, but smart coaches aren't really going to be able to reap the benefits because of all the salary cap hype. So if you can see him going 90 to 95 and you can slot him in as your M4, I think that would probably be a, a good result. However, I think maybe with the, the salary cap hype, you might have to jump and take a risk and maybe as a, as an M3, if you're, if you are really bullish on him. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a significant spot. Like if you're looking at him as a, M3 in fantasy and dream team, or even an M4 in a super coach. You're now saying he's in that top 30, top 40 midfielders and to pick him out of where you are, that's a big ballsy call. And so um, I agree. He's got the potential to be up at that space and you really want to be all in. Cause if you're waiting for him to fall to you at where his average has him as a M6, M7 or undrafted, if you're going, oh, I'll get him as my fifth mid, someone like Holmes he's talked about will go, 
I've seen the hype. I know the potential. I'm going to leap for a guy that could go 95 instead of just a 90 guy. Um, I, I, where I've got him ranked, I don't have him inside my top 50 mids for the year in, in draft. So I'll miss him based on where I've drafted him. But Holmes is 100% right. All it takes is a preseason game that he pumps out a 110 and what's already strong salary cap ownership, perfectly articulated, mate. The narrative of salary cap Twitter will dominate what draft coaches do through there. So I, I think you're bang on with that, mate. Uh, Holmesy, we know we can listen to you on the pod, pod, which wherever you're streaming this podcast, you can go and check out. But you're on Twitter as well. Where can people find you on Twitter, mate? Yeah, just at Homesy Heroes, mate. Uh, have a look on there. We've got the little Discord chat on my Twitter as well. If that's something you're interested in, the the preseason chat in there is really starting to flow, and there's a lot of decent coaches. I know Mini Monk, who's also been on the 50 Most Relevant, is is very active in there, and his results speak for himself. So when he talks, we listen. So yeah, if that's something you're interested in, uh, get involved. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll make sure the handle of that is in the bio of this episode. You can go and check that out. If you want to read any of the other players we've revealed so far in the 50 most relevant, whether it be the Dom Sheet article or any of the other players, all the details you can find at coachespanel.tv. In about 30 seconds, time will give you a clue about who we've got at number 26. But if you are loving the podcast, make sure you leave a five-star rating and review wherever you're streaming this podcast and you become a part of our Patreon supporter group for a couple of bucks a month. It helps us do what we do, but also we'll kick some bonus content, exclusive groups, and a bunch of other rewards your way. The links for the Patreon supporter group are at coachespanel.tv. So tomorrow... We're pretty much bang on in the middle portion of the 50 most relevant. Number 26. When we talk about premium forwards across the formats, there are three names that often pop. Dunkley, Cornelio, and Rosie. There's others, but there's the common three when we talk about top five forwards. These three always appear. But when I look at the ownership percentages, there's a guy that's in single digits that I think's top five. Who is he? I'll tell you tomorrow in the 50 most relevant. <laughs>